0: Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So our reading for today comes from 1 Samuel. It is the reading where Israel, for the first time in their history, has determined that they want to be like everyone else in the world and have a king. Up until this point, they had been led by judges and judges tried to interpret the will of God along the way. And now Israel said, enough, we need a king. So we'll pick it up. This is chapter eight of 1 Samuel. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, you are old. Always a good way to start a conversation. You're an old man, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from this day, I brought them up out of Egypt to this day forsaking me. (laughs) So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots. And to to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots, and he will appoint for himself commanders, thousands, and commanders, th- commanders of thousands, and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and to equip uh, to the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be. Perform- Perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves." And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Yikes. The good news of the Lord, yes. So this is the last day where we're focusing on a sermon series on this book, Lies We Believe About God. And I hope you've appreciated, even if you've been challenged by some of these lies, because I think it's good for us to challenge one another. And Pastor Tony picked out this book, and we assigned the preaching schedule, and we purposely chose for the last Sunday, being 4th of July weekend, the lie, God blesses my politics. And in the preaching schedule, Pastor Tony, who chose this book to preach on, was to preach about the politic part. And then he scheduled a vacation. (laughs) And here I am. So the lie today, obviously, God blesses my politics. And I'm guessing most of us here throughout the past several years, if not even longer, whatever side you're on, right, left, in between, at times you've gone on all of it. Politics is difficult stuff. And I think, I I, kind of think, In the back of our brain, or the front of our brain, we like to think that we believe that that is a lie. God blesses my politics. But in the back of our brain, I think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking God actually sides with me. And the problem is that puts God in my image, not me in God's image, God, I think it goes without saying, although maybe it's good for us to remind each other of this, God did not create government. We did. With its good, with its bad, we created it. And sometimes it is good. Sometimes we see it gets a little bit polluted. But the cycle is endless. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time and all the way back to the beginning of Scripture. Go to the book of Genesis. At the very beginning, Adam and Eve's son Cain kills his brother, Abel. And that in and of itself is city versus country, uh, or urban versus rural. One was a farmer, one was not a farmer. And and so the dispute begins, but then Cain tries to make retribution throughout the rest of his life, and he forms a city, and he calls that city Enoch. Enoch which means new beginnings, and it's uh, also the name of his firstborn son. And he starts the city, the city begins to flourish and grow, and then five generations later, it is led by a man named Lemach, five generations removed from Cain. And it says in Scripture that Enoch governed in a wicked awful sort of way. He was ruthless. He killed people for the sake of his own kingdom, and he exploited women. And so the cycle has begun to unfold. Go to the reading we just read where Israel for a long time was governed just trying to interpret God's will and be led by God through the judges. The judges were appointed to try to... Hear God's voice and make decisions based on God's will. And then at one point, Israel said, enough is enough. They looked at everyone else in the world and they said, we want to be like them. We want a king. And so Saul was appointed because Saul was taller than anyone else and better looking. That was his campaign policy. And Saul rose to the top, did some decent things at first, but then the story goes, he became wicked and abused his power, and it became another part of the cycle. When we talk about politics, it's easy to proof text. It's easy to uh, try to figure out, okay, where is Jesus in politics? What does Paul have to say? Jesus at one point, and this is a text that's often used to kind of validate the tax system. Jesus is given a coin and the question becomes, do you pay the temple tax? And Jesus answered, do you remember what it was? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And it, is, it makes sense when you realize that on that coin was Caesar's image. And, and, and that's often used as a proof text that Jesus was for supporting government. But Jesus goes further than that, and when we really see what Jesus is saying, it's way deeper. He's he's looking at the image of Caesar, and he's like, okay, if you want to give back to Caesar this thing that he created, go ahead. Go ahead. But then he takes it a whole step further, and do you remember what he said next? Give to God what is God's. And, and <laughs> that's way more profound, because... What is God's? You, everything, your heart, your soul. That that means so much more in the scheme of things. If you want to give your coin back to Caesar, do it. But give to God what is God's. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapters 12 and 13, he talks about politics and he says this. He said, you should obey your king. Whoever your king is, you should obey him. Then, in almost his next breath, he says, Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. It's like, so what, what is it? If you look at both of those lined up next to each other, what is Paul saying? It makes us scratch our heads. And even in Scripture, if we just go by Scripture, it's really complicated. It's really confusing to know what direction we're supposed to head, and it becomes complicated. But here's something I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of from time to time because even though at times we want to just throw our hands at all of it, all of Washington and what's going on, but it's important, I think, and I find this really helpful, to remember that there are good people involved too. There are really good people in politics who got into it because they had a passion for doing the right thing, for lifting up people that need lifted up. There are people in politics that that are worthy of our support and our encouragement. And we're blessed here at peace because we have several people that are a part of this community that are involved in school boards and different types of government who do great things. And I know their hearts and their hearts want to lift up the right causes and the right issues for all of this community and beyond. So it's important to realize that there are good people in place. But here's the cycle that too often happens in politics. Too often what we see are things that started good and then somehow power and control becomes a part of, of the policy as it, as it evolves. And it goes from something that started with a good cause to supporting just the power and the, and the control of the person in charge. This is where it gets dangerous, right? But this is an endless cycle throughout the beginning of time. We see it over and over again. Go back to Scripture. David. We love to lift up King David. He was finally the one that restored Israel to this this greatness that Israel deserved to be. And, And we love some of the stories of David and David and Goliath. And we lift him up as a great biblical figure. But we also see that even though David did some really great things in, in terms of building up the, the government and caring for his people, we also see that he killed about every member of his family. <laughs> he, uh, we obviously know he had an adulterous affair, and in so doing, he killed a soldier on the front line so that he could claim this woman as his wife. And so you look just at David, and some of it is good, and some of it is not his son Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon, we love that. We see some great stories of Solomon. And he too built up the empire. He he did some great things for his people. He he started building the brand new temple and all the things that Solomon did with all of his wealth, some of the greatest wealth the world's ever known. And yet he did it on the backs of enslaved, enslaved people. It's like Look at Solomon's story, he's leading the people who had been freed from captivity in Egypt. God liberates them, and so then the, the the very same people who were freed enslaved others. Look at the Romans. Obviously, in the Bible, we're not big fans of what Rome does. Israelites often stood up to them, but if you travel to Europe, you see some still even today some of that glory of Rome and the things that the Romans created and made. They created amazing waterways to get waters into, into towns that wouldn't have had water, and they created roads and cities and monuments and all these amazing things that some still exist today, but we also know that they abused their power and often at the hands of the oppressed. Did a trip to Italy a few years ago, and it was amazing to learn that some of their roads and infrastructure, some of the things that put Italy on the map in modern times, do you know who it was created by? Mussolini. Talk about a dichotomy somebody who ha- who who did some great infrastructure work and did some great things to support his people and yet was a ruthless tyrant who died at the hands of his own people jump to the puritans puritans who fled to this country some of our first settlers to come here fled here for re- religious freedom and they developed that religious freedom by oppressing native americans Our founding fathers, we all know this, our founding fathers who we celebrate this weekend and as we should because they did some great work, but at the same time some of their principles where they declared freedom for all and yet they didn't practice it. So it's confusing, it's complicated. It's easy for us today to point our finger at Russia, right? And we should point our finger at Russia for what's happening in the Ukraine and the oppression and the bloodshed that's taking place that's horrible. But sometimes it's too easy to point that finger and say we're not like them. I I can think back to the days, some of you I know aren't old enough to remember this, but back after 9-11, I remember how our country came together. And it was a beautiful thing. We, we wanted to lift each other up. We wanted to celebrate all that was good about our country and the freedoms that we are blessed to have. But then there were some other kind of weird feelings that I got during that time. Do you remember we started playing God Bless America at every occasion that we could find? In baseball games and football games, all of a sudden in the seventh inning, instead of the seventh inning stretch, we started singing God Bless America. And I love that song. I think when it's, when it's seen in its context of God has given us great blessings in this country, God has given us the beautiful Rocky Mountains and the, and the beautiful valleys in Virginia, and, and you think of all the plains and all the beautiful things that we celebrate in that song, and it's true, God has blessed us. But what I sensed during that time after 9-11 was that we were singing it in more of a vindictive sort of way. We were singing it in a us versus them. At least that's what I felt. I don't know if you felt that or not. And I felt that in a lot of things that we were doing. And whenever it becomes us versus them, God's favor goes, I'm out. I'm out. That's not who I am. I am a lover of all of you. So it becomes confusing. And what do we do with that? Let's, let's be honest with each other. I, I, I will admit this is true for me. I'm guessing if you explore, it's true for you. Whenever you lean toward whatever politics you support, often that's based in fear. That's what Paul Young in his book talks about. It's often based in fear. We support a politic, uh, one politic or another, based out of fear. We, wanna, we don't wanna lose control. We're afraid of those kind of people. We're we're afraid of the loss of power. We're afraid of things changing. We're afraid that things are going to be different than what they were. And so that's how we pick and choose some of our politics. It's based in fear. One uh, group of leaders based in fear created a book. It's called the Slave Bible in the early 1800s. What had happened in the Caribbean in the early 1800s, some of us who've been to Haiti, we saw, went to a museum that talked all about this. Uh, There was a Haitian slave rebellion where the slaves rose up and they took back their own country from the oppressors that were there. And so The other islands in the Caribbean saw this take place and they became afraid that they were gonna lose control, that they were gonna lose their power to the people that they were oppressing. And so they realized that the slaves really were in the scripture. And so what they did is they created a Bible that that was okay for the slaves to use. And what they did is they took out, tore out all the chapters that that dealt with liberation. Can you imagine that? The book of Exodus, gone. They took out all the things that talked about lifting up the oppressed or caring for the poor or letting the slaves go free. Rip, rip, rip. And what they ended up with instead of a book they had a pamphlet. I mean think of that. All of the scriptures torn out and so what you had was just this little book that was safe for the enslaved people to read. It's like filtering out scripture so that we're comfortable with it. Now I don't I'm not going to suggest we've gone that far, but let's be honest with each other. We still sometimes filter through scriptures that we're uncomfortable with and go to the ones that usually prove our point. So what does it mean to have actual full allegiance to the kingdom of God? I'm not going to begin to try to answer that question, but I I do encourage us to struggle with it because we should be guided by what we read in Scripture is the kingdom of God and how do we try to strive toward that. And obviously, this is a pretty big book with a lot of things to say, and there are some things we like, some things we don't like. And let's be honest, our biblical literacy today isn't what it used to be. And so here's a thought that I had that... Maybe I want to challenge all of us, and I'm going to test you right now, and let's see if you pass. (laughs) We came up with our leadership here at Peace two, three years ago. We did a lot of work on our vision statement. Now, you know our mission statement, love God, neighbor, self, but we also created a vision statement. And there are four things in that statement, and when when we're in uh, the course of the rest of the year and we have our screens going, we start worship every day, and if you've been watching online, (laughs) we open each worship service with these four statements. Can anyone name one? Anyone else besides Q, can you name one? Minda's also on staff. You don't count because we just did this in staff. Okay, I'm going to give you them, and here's what I want. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Obviously, I'm not a king, so I can't make you, (laughs) but I'm a pastor who can encourage you. Memorize these four things and utilize them because these are things that a, a whole group of us as staff leaders, and we involved as many people as we could in this process, we came up with these four things that we think this community here at Peace is about, and we pull these from Scripture, we pull them from where we feel led as God's people. So the first one, love, not fear. Say it with me, love, not fear. The second one, grace, not guilt, grace, not guilt, the third one, relationship over rules. Relationship over rules. That's not relationship over rules. That's relationships over rules. And then the fourth, Q, you grazed your hand. Oh, Minda? Yucca. service without condition. Oh, I should have called on Tony. (laughs) Service, say it. (laughs) Love over fear. Love, not fear. Grace, not guilt. Relationship over rules. Service without condition. Memorize those four vision principles of peace, and see how that influences whatever you are in your political life, right, left, in between. I don't care. But utilize those four things and see where it takes you. It might lead you to some new thoughts, some open, fresh ideas as we strive for the kingdom of God. So let me close with this. You know I'm a lover of Christian bumper stickers, right? I love four or 5,000 years of theology summed up in a sentence. It just makes sense. So the other day, we're sitting in the fireside lounge and Jeff Radomsky over here pulls up and put on my car, tried to do it secretly, but I saw him, a Christian bumper sticker that he and his family wanted to give me and not tell me. Do you follow Jesus this closely? Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? And here's the dumb thing. I saw him do it, and I forgot to take it off. (laughs) And I drove home, and I went to get something out of my trunk, and I went, (laughs) Oh! I hope no one saw me. And so I took it off and put it on my wife's car. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) But here's the thing. We did a sermon several years ago on all of the different bumper stickers that you all have. And there are a lot of them. When you walk through our parking lot here, there are lots of different bumper stickers. Some of you support this cause. Some of you don't support that cause. Some of you support this party, that party. Some of you are against this, for this. We welcome all of them. The only ones we frown on, Pittsburgh Steeler bumper stickers. (laughs) but we welcome all of them here and I hope that you do too because that means when we disagree with each other, we sharpen each other and we may have different opinions and ideas, but here's the thing I pray for all of us. Realize that whatever political party you're a part of, whatever issues you're for or against, is underneath the fact that we all strive first for the kingdom of God. Amen.